0: everyone to episode 86 of the anagram journey podcast this is going to be part two of our live stream with suzanne and joey and billy and joe this episode is long enough as it is so you don't need me to be long-winded in front of it but it's a great one we answer more of your questions that you've sent in and we talk about relationships and family dynamics connecting emotionally forgiving parents and so much so much more If you like these last two episodes, be sure to check out the live stream page of Life in the Trinity Ministry, and you can watch all the, I think there's about 20 videos on there of live streams that we've done over the past couple of months. And beginning next week, we're going to get back to some of our more traditional episodes, including a conversation with Nadia Boltz-Weber, Enneagram 8, Jamie Grace, Enneagram 7, Russ Hudson, Enneagram 5, and a Q&A episode, and not necessarily in that order. Thank you all for your continued support. I know I speak for Suzanne and the rest of LTM when I say we are really looking forward to getting back out and traveling again and seeing you in person. But until then, be sure to keep checking out LifeInTheTrinityMinistry.com, SuzanneStabile.com, and AnnieGrahamJourney.org for any new information, resources, and updates. Now let's get to the conversation. That is the voice of Suzanne Stabile, the Anagram Godmother, birther of four children. Birther. Yep.
1: We should be thankful for birther, probably. Yes.
0: Uh, and she has joined us on whatever we're calling today. I think it's fun at the Micah Center. How are you doing? Let's do a little check-in.
1: Um, I've had better days, um, and worse.
0: That's how the first hour started.
1: <laughs> oh, is that how it started? Well, I didn't. I didn't hear y'all, so. Um, It'd be interesting to find out how much we're alike. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm okay. I'm okay. I think this, this whole thing we've been going through in terms of, uh, the shutdown was a little bit intriguing for a while. And then I think it was, um, a challenge for a while. And I started journaling last week, um, my journal entry says I better get ready to talk about relationships because all of the uniqueness of this has worn off and all of the desire to have unique responses to this has worn off. And now it's just, we're all stuck in something that we have no control over and we don't know for how long. And when they offer us a little window It's dangerous. Right? Mm -hmm. Like dad told me today that they have a date for opening the offices at the church. And I went crazy. Like just crazy because I didn't see it coming. And it's dangerous, right? It's like you either get to be in this hole where everything's very complex and, and where you kind of thought you had a handle on it. And then the the way out is dangerous, and I just think we're not prepared for that. You know, in our family, we always I crowdsource everything I'm thinking. We all do about the enneagram.
0: That's and, another way of saying verbal processing.
1: That was a very <laughs> d- yeah, good catch. A
0: little in-around. I crowdsource my thoughts <laughs> not, with my family.
1: Exactly what that is. I <laughs> forgot who I was with there for a minute. <laughs> I think that'll play somewhere else, maybe. Thank you, Billy. Every two anywhere is going to take that now.
0: And let me just point out, let me just point out, touching back on what we talked about earlier in the episode. She said, thank you, Billy. When Billy said nothing, assuming that Billy was siding with her. So man, we're we're just all watching it unfold.
1: Yeah. And he said in in this time, it was true. Um, all to say, I have thought by the week That I kind of had an enneagram handle on this, and I don't. Yeah. So that means there's a lot to learn. And without opportunities like this and things that start conversations, I'm not sure we're going to learn it. I think we're just going to quibble. That's quibble sounds like a very old lady word suddenly. I mean, yeah. a, you think,
0: I've used it. quibble at least like three <laughs> times this Not, morning.
1: It's quibble. You don't even know what the <laughs> word is.
0: <laughs> the kids call it quibble. We replaced it.
1: That's gonna. That will become part of our mm-hmm. language. Quibble will now go in with visla. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: all right. Well, I got a question for y'all. If y'all wanna, you wanna tackle one, right. And we'll we'll start with one. You know, see where this see where fun times at the Micah Center on Thursdays goes. All right, this one comes from Emily. As a six, uh, in regards to how to live life during COVID, if I don't trust myself, and why would I, as I'm not an expert on the subject, and even the quote-unquote trusted authorities seem stumped and constantly conflicting both themselves and others, then how do I find security and safety to eventually re-enter society?
2: Hmm. I wonder how a six does anything when the authorities
1: that they're used to drawing from are divided. Right. So the the word you left out when you got louder was with certainty. With certainty. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was going to go. And I think you can always get a different read than the authority figure that you usually go to, right? Like you can always dig around enough to find somebody who disagrees with that. But I think the lack of humility in really high-up leadership around we don't know what the answers are and we don't know exactly what to do. And so we're going to do the next right thing instead of we're going to do this and we know it's going to work and we've got all this to back it up and blah, blah, blah. I I think Leslie Bly.
0: She's a person who's yeah. been on the podcast. She's,
1: yes, and she said as a six – I trust my doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a sixes way of saying what you say when you say, I trust my gut. Right.
3: I was just going to say, if there are sixes who are utterly terrified right now, then I get it.
2: Yeah.
3: I absolutely get it. Um, to, to, in addition to what you said about trusting doubt and there not being any certainty, um, from what I know of six is they gather information and try and connect that new information with previously gathered information to develop logic and mm-hmm. patterns mm-hmm. as a way to work through the anxiety and or and or fear that they're exhibiting. And there isn't anything to tie what we're going through back to because we've never done it like this before you know, a quarantine like this. So no one can say, well, the last time this happened, this is what we did. And this is why it worked. So that just adds to it.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. So no, I want it. Mm. It just ties. My thing is, I think that's the problem for all of us, no matter what our number is. Like, I can't affect a future that I am used to controlling because I can't control this future anymore. Like as an eight, I think, I think we all find ourselves in unpredictable space, mm-hmm. and so what we are used to doing and how we are used to living in the world is completely uncharted for all of us. Mm-hmm. And for a six, when you you know you know how to make a plan, what you're used to is I. All of these things could happen, and here's my plan. Now you're having to make a plan when you don't know what's going to happen. Yep.
1: And you as an eight and you as a seven, y'all can manage change quickly. So you can make a plan and then change it and change it and change it and change it and change it. And you two, meaning Joel and Joey, adapt as you go along. Correct. If I make a plan and it doesn't work, then as a, a number that's in real time, in de- the dependent stance, then I have to regroup everything, not adapt the plan I had, and then come up with a new one and a new one. And I, I just think we don't have quite a handle on all this yet. I think we'll get a lot of it looking back. Kierkegaard says, we live our lives forward, but we understand them looking back. But with something that's as impactful in every way as this is, the question is looking back from what and where and when.
2: And it's impactful in every way and global in every way. Yes.
1: Yes. You know, we've done things as as a family, uh, all of us and all the kiddos, I've looked at all of you and thought, I, I will remember this forever. I wonder if they will. We are all. The quarantine? No, just times before the quarantine. Okay. Sorry. Before the quarantine, when we're all having something, like there are just moments when I think, I'll remember this moment forever. I wonder if y'all will. Now I'm thinking, I wonder what happy memories Will will have. From being an eighth grader and going into high school as a four and Sam will have reframed it all or a lot of it. I think he will have reframed a lot of it. If he's a seven to man, we got to stay home and I don't think he'll remember it. I
2: think as an adult, this will be a blank. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I think it'll be a blank for him.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: I also think it can, as far as sevens hypothetically, that we'll remember it differently than y'all. That's right.
2: For sure. For sure. For sure.
0: By chance, I don't, I'm not saying they are, I don't know. But one of my kids is seven. They'll be like quarantine time. Let's get the tents out. Yeah. And here's what, here's what we did. Let's make sure that the bikes are tuned up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's not by the way, what dad and I'll be saying. (laughs) 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 Although for 24 hours, we were going to get bikes until our oldest said, I don't know. Do you ever have you actually thought about yourself riding yeah. on the bike?
0: I don't think it would have taken the oldest to do that. Just low hanging fruit. She
2: just did it. Just I mean it. I happened to be the one who was there. I was like, Are you
0: If not the people at Richardson Bike Mart would have been like
4: <laughs> Are you looking for
0: I can see mom and dad on like Blue Bonnet Trail and the those bicycles that you lay down in and... Or a tandem.
3: A nice tandem. <laughs>
1: Then uh, we could both fall at the same time.
3: Anyway, I don't know that we helped the person that asked about how. Yeah, I want to get back better. to that. I want to get right back to and, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. That and made it worse.
1: Thank you for that. So let's see if we can help.
0: And while we're getting back into it, they wanted to ask about counterphobic sixes as well. Sure. So if you can kind of discuss that.
1: All right. Well, I want to go back to the phobic first because that's what we were talking about. So here's the thing. I always say. The sixes. We trust you. You can trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm saying that we trust you. You can trust yourself in counterphobic sixes. I ran into one of mine that was an apprentice, Dana Effler. The day they shut everything down in Dallas, she had till midnight and dad and I ran to buy plants. Billy and I went for an anniversary dinner and bought bread well, we got there, and we're buying plants, and I see Dana across the way, and Dana's in it, uh counterphobic six, and she's got her gloves on, and she's got her plants in her thing, and she was all whipped up, and she said, I told you this day was coming, <laughs> right? And uh, Sandy Patty, who is somewhere on the continuum, as soon as they announced it, I get a text from her, and she said, I knew this was coming. So to the six that's phobic, I would say, I think you've always known that you were preparing and that you should be prepared for something. And I think whatever skills you used to be prepared for all the things that you've prepared for before have set you up to potentially be better prepared for what's coming than the rest of us. And I think if you will look at that and look at the gifts and the skills that you have garnered over time, those same skills will get you from here to whatever happens in one month, three months, six months. I think we all just have to keep doing what we do. Like, that's a, you, you're not going to become a, oriented to the past. No. Or the present. No. So we are all intuitively going to continue to operate from the same place. I think our goal in coming here and having the kind of discussions that we have hard and honest, which is the way we do things, is to start discussions about what could go wrong and what does go wrong and what happens and what to watch out for and what to look for. For counterphobic sixes, I think it's a very tricky time because their focus on authority, which is always there, is that they don't trust authority figures, and they're watching them to see if they're taking care of the rest of us like they're supposed to be. And so in some ways, counterphobic sixes would be more thrown off now than phobic sixes are because there are not consistent direct answers from authority, so they don't know where authority stands. And they are accustomed to at least thinking they know.
2: The way I see is so much of what um six's anxiety and in, in in my viewpoint seems to to come from is that you are the true team player and because your reference point is outside of yourself, you always consider everybody. Mm-hmm. And your focus, because you're dependent, is on what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. I think if you can, I'm certain maybe one of you have a, a beautiful quote to offer that I don't on, on giving up control. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think if sixes can see that, while you've considered everybody else you can't control what everybody else is doing
1: or manipulate
2: yeah period like yep. you you cannot and if you can slowly kind of almost open yourself up to and allow that you cannot control what everybody else does you'll find a little more energy and gumption to do what you know you
1: can do because you've considered everything Mm -hmm. here's the quote i was going to give you and it's daddy and he says and had grandma picked this up and i have a one of granddaddy's calling cards you know Mm -hmm. business cards Mm -hmm. and she wrote it on the back of it and kept it always because she heard daddy say it in a sermon I, of course, have it laminated in a place of honor. Sure, (laughs) sure. But Daddy said one time in a sermon, faith and control cannot peacefully coexist. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. And that's the problem for all of us. It's like, okay, we have to rely on faith because we can't control anything.
2: And I think that's what ultimately keeps sixes from stepping out is their fixation on not being able to control what everybody else is yeah. doing. yeah. And if you can let go of that just enough to step out, I know that's like asking an eight to feel a lot more. I mean, I, mean, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. yes. I know. Yeah. It's um, like it's, you know how hard it is.
1: It's so hard. It's so hard for me not to check in with all of you every day. Every, every morning my journal says, the children will call you if they need you. <laughs> Right. Cause I'm worried about you and I want to know that everybody's okay, but I also don't want to know what's happening because I can't do anything about it. Right. Well, yeah. It's a very weird place to be for every stance. It'll be interesting to see what we come out of this with.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And you got the quote, the uh, faith and control coexisting up. thing. So nailed it. Uh, we got a question from Jake. Uh, Jake's question is what happens to nines when they look to the future while being tethered to the past? And Billy is the nine. However, you know, while he's thinking, if y'all want to pretend like he wasn't in the room,
1: (laughs) (laughs) just staring at him. presence matters. Yeah. We're both like, (laughs) and go. I'll ask you a question. Okay. What does it mean to you that your orientation to time is the past?
3: It means that my default mode is looking back. And it means that the most comfortable headspace or feelings that are brought up are things that have already happened. What's right in front of me to do is a little um, less desirable, <laughs> and certainly what it, the future holds is is the same.
1: Does it work to say, along with what you said, that what's right in front of you is a little more risky?
3: Yes. That's a good word. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And the future is even more so.
1: And so does being tethered to the past help you in any way? How Better question. How does it help you looking out there where we're all looking that you're a nine and that your orientation time is the past? And how does it restrict you?
3: I think it can help in that whatever the quote is about history, like people who fail to recognize the failures of the past are doomed to repeat them in the future, that kind of thing. It's helpful in that. I mean, because now are looking back so often, it's um, easier for me to take things that have happened in the past and use them in the future. Don't repeat the same mistakes, be better, um, that kind of thing. Um, where it hinders me is that the future is always muddy looking. Always for me, um, if I wanted to create a five-year career path or a 10-year career path, I could write some stuff down, but I have no basis for what I'm saying. I'm just kind of, you know, throwing, Mm -hmm. throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing what sticks. And so I think that's kind of a roundabout way to answer the question. I mean, there's certainly value to be gained from thinking back, but being tethered to it means that, um, I can't with any sort of clarity, look to the future, and I don't mean no one can no one can predict the the future, but people who aren't nines can make a plan, set a goal, and then go for it, and do it with some ease and i none of that's easy
1: I wonder if if we worked at it from three different stances if we could imagine what the future looks like that we feel like we could even address like my security looking to the future so if we just took security my security and looking to the future is all relational so here's an example if i don't get to travel and teach again joel will figure out a way for me to teach this way And I'll still get to do what I do and we'll probably be able to keep LTM going. Right. I wouldn't sit somewhere if I didn't have a relationship with Joel. And if we didn't do this, it wouldn't occur to me. I wouldn't think, well, I could use technology and teach like that's all relational for me. Right. So when I feel threatened about the future, then I scan my people. And I know that I'm going to be okay as long as my people are, that we're all in it together. The people I worry about and and don't know what they're doing is what about people who don't have people, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all figure out a way and we know we're going to figure out a way. I'm not burdened like once in my stance from feeling like whatever comes, I have to do it right I got to figure it out, and it has to be the right way, and I have to do it the right way. And I'm not struggling like sixes are with the kind of anxiety that they have. I have my own. Mm -hmm. And I think we all, from this, can understand six anxiety before because I've defined it, and I'm sure you all use that definition of concern about possible future events. Mm -hmm. So now we're all anxious.
2: I just all I want to tack to that is in getting ready. Um, I, I mentioned earlier I, I I taught a church staff this week mm-hmm. on stress move, and I, I dro- and I was driving to work to to my office to do it. And I talked to Billy because one of the things we've brought up is while when we're looking at parenting from anti Graham and parenting from the from the parents perspective. We say we think you can figure out your child's stance mm-hmm. and work from there. But from a parenting perspective, we actually focus more on the triad piece. And what what gets lost is we totally understand fear of the head triad and anxiety and sixes. Mm-hmm. And we, we easily um, touch on shame with mm-hmm. twos, threes, and fours. But the other piece, as we started going into it, was that twos, threes, and fours, also have anxiety, mm-hmm. and it's a general uneasiness with what's inside,
1: yes, and it's the default for other emotions, so any emotion that I can 't manage, I convert to Two, threes, ang- threes, and fours to convert into anxiety yes, what you convert into anger yes, right, yes yep, yeah.
2: so my thought I, in going into this, I was like, man we we've spoken volumes. And, and recognize daily our anger. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think, and where fear, I think, can five, sixes, and sevens. I don't think, on the whole, that shame is what's rising in quarantine for twos, three, and fours. It's a lot
1: of anxiety, which is why I refuse to use shame to define the two, three, and four. I yeah. refuse. Yeah. But but the the tricks there is. In terms of triad speak. For eights, nines, and ones, anger works. It fits. And it's definable, and people know what it is. Yep. And for five, sixes, and sevens, fours, I mean, fear fear works, and they know what it is. Mm -hmm. And for twos, threes, and fours, in all of the canons of Enneagram books, people do not agree on what it is. Naranjo said that it was anger, twos, threes, and fours. There are days when I can go with that. But anxiety, yeah, it that. does. <laughs> you say that. The, the other thing I want to say about the two of you is, though, and then, Joel, I know you want to talk. Uh, daddy's angry, and he doesn't know it. There's not somebody to talk about that with. And so the more angry he gets in quarantine, the more anxious anxiety I get. You get. That's yeah. right.
0: And this question comes all the way from Langley, B.C., Canada. So uh, B.C., British Columbia, I assume. I don't know. Yes. I'm not going with the geography. All right. Can you describe what it means or looks like to emotionally connect with someone? Can you suggest a few simple practices to grow emotional connection in relationships? Here's some context. I'm an eight and my husband is a five. Last year, while attending counseling together, the counselor looked at us and said, "You're such heady, you are such a heady couple, do you ever connect emotionally? We both went blank. It is true that our shared thinking center is where we most intimately and often connect. We would like to learn how to grow our emotional connection, but have no clue where to start or really what that even means.
1: I have a quote we could start with. I'm quoting Billy Shuey. Oh. And he says, with an eight, intensity is intimacy. And that's an
3: emotional connection.
2: And
1: tough for a five.
3: But the, that's yeah. the toughest. Five oh,
2: yeah. yeah. five's the toughest. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And intensity... Doesn't, in my opinion, mean you have to be as loud, as lustful um, as the eight that you're in a relationship with. It just means that if you want to show the person you're in your relationship how much you care, how much you love that person, you give everything you have. And for a five, that means sharing what you're thinking Well, it means more so sharing how you're feeling, when you're feeling it, and exactly what that feels like.
2: And to go back to earlier in this live stream, two important things to recognize are that eights and fives are both can have real emotions. Eight, the big difference in eights and fives that I see is... Fives have it and can absolutely detach from it. And and I think we we common commonly um misunderstand that as the five never having the emotion. And they have it. And eights not only <laughs> can't disconnect from it easily, um don't we process it slower than we process information.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I would guess there's a lot. <laughs> That's tricky. A lot of give and take, but I think what you both bring to the table is um, a heady analysis of it. Which, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I I find myself getting to some of my most vulnerable places, talking through yeah. that emotion to to get to that. So,
3: and I also feel like too that when you love somebody a lot of what you feel is illogical and I don't think eights and fives deal with the illogical very well. You don't want to, it's not, it's um, impractical. And so you kind of put that to the side, like, you know, real connection can come through just verbalizing that saying, this makes no sense, but this is what I feel right now. Can we talk about that? Even though neither one of you really want to, it's a way to connect on that level. It's clear that
0: an emotional connection isn't one size fits all That's right. the emotional connection that you mom and dad are going to have is not mm-hmm. going to look like the emotional connection that you, Joey and Billy are going to have right. or myself and Whitney or oh. any other two people. What could one look like for a five and an eight?
2: That's what I was leaning toward too. So you go and then I'll send it.
1: Well, I am a, a robust emotional person. And I emotionally connect with all of you differently. You and I connect emotionally when we're good and when we're not good and when we need each other and when we don't, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it's a completely different way than I connect with Billy. Sometimes I look across the room at Billy and I don't do that greeting the way you guys do. You know, y'all all go when you see each other. But sometimes I feel like we're doing that across the swimming pool or across the room, I feel like we catch each other's eye and kind of go. Mm-hmm. And that's an emotional connection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Joel and I spend so much time together now that there's a whole range of emotional connection, but it has to do with time. You and I have a range of emotion because we're so much alike, but we're not the same number or the same stance or the same triad.
2: And I think that's perfect Can, if I can long enough to make that be the segue for mine, because my thought was as an eight, there's something real to being in relationship with someone you share a line with and we share a line and there's an unspoken understanding and you two as an eight and a five have that unspoken understanding and it doesn't need to be effusive or what someone else looks at or would label or characterize as deeply affectionate. Because quite frankly, you we say it for fives, but it's true for eights as well. Fives give up a lot of
1: security to fall in love. The most. The most. And I think eights. Second most. Right? Mm-hmm. But we've Absolutely. never said that. We have never said it, but I was fixing to. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a reality that you can celebrate.
0: Do you think that certain numbers, like twos, you sound like you've got, like you're the Swiss army knife of emotional connections? And I was thinking about myself as sevens tend to do. And
1: <laughs> that's never going to go away.
3: Those are two bumper stickers. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to hear that, just so everybody knows. I'm going to hear that till the day I die.
3: I'm
0: curious, Joey and Billy. I think that I have from my end, you know, whatever the fitting is on my emotional connection, I think it's kind of the same with everyone. Like I look to, I need to provide, I need to give you and you and you and my wife and my kid, like, all right, emotions and affection for all of you looks the same. I need to make sure to do that. Does that make any sense? And, but you're clearly saying that it's.
2: See, I don't think it looks the same.
0: My, my, what I'm trying to do is the same and I take the same approach.
2: The last time we were here, um, and you just derailed me. You didn't pick up on it, but the way, and Billy explained it, the way you and I interact does not have the same effect when you use it on our
1: sister. She takes it completely differently. Mm -hmm. True story. Well, everybody takes it differently, but see, you're so new to the feeling realm that I'm kind of proud of you for trying to be a, in, in a, a way of feeling with everybody else. Cause we walked away from that and, and
2: Billy feeling Jenny, because he feels the conflict feeling Jenny's and you
1: can speak for yourself,
2: reaction. except that you're
1: leaving. So we're going to speak for you. <laughs> and,
2: and you said, that's Joel. Like that's how Joel is loving. Yep. you you said it, and and but it's it does not land on her the same way.
0: Just so everyone knows, that we're all playing catch up. I didn't know that Jenny and I had a riff. You are so,
2: playing catch up.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. So, I'm, that's why I was like, so I can't drop no, no. this and leave. So, <laughs> yeah. so, but I'm fixing it for you. So, <laughs> so here's what I think, though. I I think people who know the enneagram could, if we were all in, at our best, which we're not because of the
2: stupid corn.
1: Yeah. I think if you know the anagram then you could and if you were in a good place yourself you could say that aggressive number whoever it is is really working on trying to share some feelings. Right? Hmm? Which is what the 9 did. Yeah. And that's what's ha- that's a great thing. This
2: 9 did, not the other 9.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the 9 who received it. Uh,
0: we got to see two sides of that from two different 9s. <laughs> <nines. laughs> yeah.
2: You should, you should say some, please, please share before you go
1: and leave me here. Uh, About what? All all of that. All, any of it. Because here's what I think you do. You peacemake by explaining both sides of a situation. You do it all the time. That's what you do. That's how you are put in the world.
3: I feel like that's why I'm here.
1: Well, Joe's the same way, (laughs) except when he's in the conflict.
3: Yeah. I don't want to be on a side.
1: Right. Right. terrible. And well, but you you see in a way that sees both sides, and then you translate, darling you're you. such a translator yeah
3: yeah that does that makes a lot of sense yeah, um your original question was about making personal connections, right mm-hmm. um the only thing that I can add to that, I think is that um as a nine, I try to deduce what kind of emotional connection I can have with each person in their different space. And sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I get it wrong. And, and I don't even know if that's good or bad because I don't have a, like a, a home base to go back to. So it's almost the opposite of the way that you do it. Like you try to be consistent because it's hard for you to have an emotional connection. Like it it takes a lot of mustering up to try and be equal For everybody. I'm the same with everybody and that's my way of connecting with you. I try to meet you where you are or guess how to meet you where you are.
2: He's just so much more generous than you is really what we're trying to.
0: Well, what I I think a better way, and maybe I'm not articulating myself well, which is most likely. I don't have the gift in me of meeting people's emotions the way that they're putting them out.
1: Yep, you're not the Swiss Army Knife.
0: You all three can put out, you put out emotions a certain way, and I answer each way the same. Yes. So, and that's a, I'm not the Swiss Army Knife, and that's a bummer.
1: Well, but... but I'm sorry, Jenny. It was minor. It's minor, and you're trying to be the Swiss Army Knife. You're trying to love everybody well, because you're working really hard at connecting with people in a new way. What I'm saying is, we need to not lay labels on numbers that don't provide for the nuance of what they're doing to learn. And I got here late today to the, I mean, I was on time, but I I missed a lot, obviously. And one of the things that it sounds like I missed is that my two aggressive children are working really hard at dealing with their own emotions and being respectful of their emotions and other people's feelings too. And that is what the Enneagram's about at the end of the day. That's what the value is.
2: And I'm glad you said that because, Joel, where I... What you just said, where I am right there as an eight is emotions and feelings are not the water I swim in. And if I... So I'm always heady about it and matter of fact about it Mm -hmm. and cannot manufacture it. Like my biggest thing that I was telling Billy before we came here is I needed to be vulnerable with my team today at work and thank God that I had something provided to me that was very personal to me beforehand because I needed to be in, vulnerable with them in a way that I could not get there without something in my life actually sparking that.
1: You can't manufacture it. But you sure know it when somebody else is. Oh, Yeah.
0: All right. We talked earlier, Joey, you talked about uh, your expectations being the highest of, of everyone. And, Billy, you concurred. So we're gonna talk a little bit about expectations, I think, for every number, but let me read the specific one. Uh, how can threes set aside their definition of success when helping others? And here's the context. I'm a volunteer doula. I love that word. Uh, <laughs> providing birth did I say it right? Is it another one that no, I just got, got wrong? Right.
2: With? You did okay. it right. You love the word it was funny. I'm a
0: volunteer <laughs> doula. Providing birth education and labor support. When women make choices in labor they didn't want to make before during planning, it's hard for me to accept these decisions. Example, someone who wanted to do natural labor chooses to have an elective induction. Basically, I get upset because they could have met their goal and they didn't. But it's not my goal. It's theirs. I realize this. I realize it's all my issue. How can I let go and be a supportive cheerleader without being disappointed?
2: Man, my my one thought is what I... What I have found is when I when I share with threes my belief that they are literally the only number who sets goals. Like really, Mm -hmm. who navigates for sure navigates life via goals. That's
1: right.
0: I think sets goals and then are tied to those goals. Yeah, like I set goals and I can let those go really
3: fast.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And I don't like my I'm so self confident. My egregious self confidence means it's never even a goal. I'm gonna. I'm just do gonna do, do it. it. You right. can
0: You confuse the word goal and expectation. <laughs>
2: right. Like my right. My goals are expectations that it will happen. So I, I think the first thing is realizing, and that's an anagram thing. So it's always so helpful to realize how you see is so completely different from you know every other number, particularly
1: and, a woman in labor.
2: Yes. And if you're a three, you are the only one. And goals. Not only are you the only one who, have, who has those goals and navigates life that way, that means what feeds you, the goals that feed you, do not internally support other numbers that way.
1: You know, as a two, um, I would just support the goal change, right? Like, if the goal was to make it without induction and without drugs, then I would be on board with that goal. And then if the mother said, Oh, I, I, I don't think I want to. Do, I don't, I guess I don't have to act. It you out. don't have to. You're already <laughs> feeling. She's feeling what the mother is feeling.
0: Can you, um, can you please act out labor can and what it would look like your changing your, your mind?
1: <laughs> so I would Sorry. say, Oh, honey, I understand. Let's get you that because I feel what other people feel. Yes. So, for the to answer the question, what I want to say is, first, cut yourself some slack because you don't feel what other people feel and goals are really important to you and they work for you. And you wouldn't be a good cheerleader if you didn't believe in the in the desires that the mother had at the get-go. So, what you have to do is be flexible and and not turn your goal into an expectation. She's right about her language. She knows what she's talking about. She just doesn't have it figured out yet. And and I think part of the way to figure it out is every number in labor would be different and every number who's the doula would be different. And so every one of those connections and, and every delivery is different. So there's... So much room there for things to change. I think it would be good if her goal was to uphold the plan, like to keep it here and to honor the desires of the mother and have that be the goal.
0: You change. So change your definition of success. Yes. Success in this position will be Mm -hmm. being able to adapt. Mm-hmm. and the fail, and it sounds like she's kind of identified that without
4: sure wanting to has. name it that. That's
1: it. Know? She has. And I bet she's really good. And I
2: think she probably my guess is she intuitively and I think this is a human nature thing. If you as a doula, you in my understanding of a doula, it, you know, you want to motivate, sure. You know, You'd that's do it. What, So you're you're without you're unconsciously going to motivate the way you are self-motivated. And goals are part of that for you if you're
1: a three. I also bet you that women, after she tried to coach them through labor and they changed their mind and she went with that, I bet women have called her on that and said, why did you let me do that? I wish I hadn't. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I bet you.
0: Okay. This next question on Monday, we asked the question from someone who said, how can I forgive my parents as a four? Therefore, they didn't give information for your parents. We got it asked again, uh, from six. Can we talk about the angle and idea of children forgiving parents? I don't know. It seems like there's something there. I mean, for us to get two questions in same week.
2: All I have to offer is, and that's not very helpful. Probably I say all the time, I think we waste. So this is very future oriented of me, but I think we waste so much energy wanting something different from the past that the past
1: doesn't have to give us. And
0: did you say that that was the definition of forgiveness? That,
1: that the definition of forgiveness that I use is when you give up wishing that the past was other than Are you it serious? Was. No. That's because we're, oh, no. I think that, and I think, um, uh, Every human being is inadequate in some ways. Mm. I want to say this, though. I think some parents don't ever ask for forgiveness. And I think that's a problem. Dad and I, his parents never, ever asked him for forgiveness for anything. And we just made up our minds that when we thought we were wrong, we were going to come back to y'all and say, I was wrong and I hope you'll forgive me. And I think there's a chance that that people who are having trouble forgiving their parents are trying to forgive people who never admitted any wrong. But I think forgiveness is very difficult. And I think it's it is work to do. So if you... Are working really hard and it matters enough to you to send us a question of how do I forgive my parents then I think you have to look at all kinds of options you know that I think everybody needs a spiritual director available to them I think everybody needs a therapist and I think if it is bothersome enough to you then you need to get some help so that you can do it because not forgiving people Affects your relationships with other people, not just the people that you're not forgiving. The other thing I want to say is that years ago, I had a list of things from Martin Luther King Jr. I can't find it and I don't have it anymore. And it makes me sad because it was brilliant. And it was eight things, I think, that Martin Luther King teaches about forgiveness. And one of them was that the person you're forgiving doesn't have to know that you're forgiving them. And I think sometimes people think forgiveness means that we have to get together and talk about it and patch up everything, which we do have to do in our family. Yes, family meetings. (laughs) But not all families operate that way. Joe's didn't and yours doesn't. Your uh, family of origin didn't. And I'm sure you love the way we do it. You've kind of learned to sort of love it. (laughs) And so I, I, I think there's, so many ways to talk about forgiveness. I wish both questions had been more specific, but I want to say one more thing about the sixth one. And that is that I've been teaching probably for the last 10 years that sixes are not responsible for the problems of their parents because I keep meeting adult sixes who are 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and they think they're responsible somehow for whatever happened with their parents. If that is conflated with trying to forgive your parents, then you're not responsible for whatever happened with your parents. That's just not on you. And I very seldom meet a six who doesn't think it is.
2: No matter what number you are, I think sometimes one of the biggest hurdles to letting go of not being able to forgive is the internal fuel you rely on Mm -hmm. that it provides you, that the the hurt, your response and your reaction to the hurt provides, like it provides
1: a fuel no matter what number you are? Well, it provides a fuel for you. Oh, you think? It doesn't for sixes? I think what it provides for ones, twos, and sixes, and maybe fours, fives, and nines, is I think they think it's going to, if they don't forgive them, then it protects them from being hurt by them the same way again. That, that's that's what I think most people are doing. Oh, it's just feel for me. Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. We're...
1: Joel checked out and we
0: yeah. kept going. Oh no, I'll just I'll miss my parents when they're gone. Then we're good. Like <laughs> I'm not gonna you know, I'm not gonna let that yeah. affect me.
2: There's a there's a glimpse in our
1: future. <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: Do you think that? Y'all live he, it
1: up now. He cares that yeah. you're here. Okay, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just Everyone, shout
0: up. out to Billy as he moseys on out. We hey, thank you so much for everything, man.
1: Love you, Billy. Will you get Joe and tell him to take your place?
0: Uh, while we're making this uh, line change, is it possible that we overfocus on something such as an idea of forgiveness instead of acceptance?
1: Yes, I think that, and I'll tell you something else. I think. I think the reason everybody on the planet is still singing Let It Go is because it's such wisdom. The nine chair is calling you. <laughs> There's not a plan here. Good. We're answering questions. Not in the hot seat? Nope. Yeah. You could be, but.
0: Thank you, Dad. Uh, you were in the middle of something. The reason why people are saying singing Let It Go?
1: Is because it's great wisdom, and I think some things you just have to let it go. You Isn't that just... a book,
0: The Wisdom of Letting Go? Isn't that literally the title of a book?
1: I don't think so. No, it's my make...
0: The language, language, the language. There we go.
1: Well, so... let me say this about that: the language of letting go will help you let it go. Everybody's imperfect, and everybody's inadequate, and you can forgive people and not jump back in a relationship with them or not be vulnerable with them again or not not trust them you don't forgiveness doesn't require all that it's just leave it and move on Yep.
0: and just so people know uh, we have trademarked in the last 45 seconds uh, the name of our next podcast host hosted by Suzanne Stabil. I think that and I'll tell you something else I think <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that what I
0: said? That is what you said. That was great. I love it. Uh, All right. Well, we got a new nine in the hot seat. So we lied to him and said it wasn't. Can nines be involved in image crafting and comparison?
1: Welcome to the discussion, baby.
0: And just so you know what the follow-up will be to that, if you try to pull a
4: yes or no, it'll be, what does that look like? (laughs) Um... I don't think nines are big on comparisons, but I, I do think, um, because they tend to merge with other people, they can craft an image that, that fits the circumstance or situation that they find themselves in. Do I do that?
2: Image crafting? Mm -hmm. Image crafting. I, I think you naturally, something we, we always say nines are great mediators Mm -hmm. and Um, being married to Billy, I think that, and it came up earlier too, the, the better language that fits him that I see with nines is you more than mediate, you harmonize conflicting points of view.
4: True. Yeah.
2: And I don't know that you can do that as well and as naturally and as effectively as you do without an element of connection that comes from image crafting and comparison. Does that like almost in in the, in all of the best ways you're so good at putting yourself in that person's position that I, the
0: the person that asked this question didn't say this, but I'm curious if their question surrounds the nine movement to three. And if that kind of idea of image crafting comparison comes back to kind of that nine home base, we talked about, (laughs) bringing the, uh, the high sides of our security and stress number and kind of packing that and bringing it back home. I think they're asking if, if that happens, if I can project on this person.
1: I think um, there is a difference when nines move to three in competence that could easily be misnamed as image crafting. Mm-hmm. So the example I would give is that when, when you have on robes and a stole and you are in a sanctuary in the chancel area and you're in charge, you have an image that only shows up there.
2: And I would say that, that's what I call with Billy, and I've called it with you too, but that's what I call that. Those, those are the spaces I love, that self-assured bravado yep. that only comes when you are in your element, and it doesn't come any other time.
1: No other time. No other time. Yeah. And I think that nines arrived at that place of confidence over a long period of time. So I, I don't think you... The first time you put on robes and no, stuff, no. had any of it, right. <clears throat> I think it comes over a long period of time. And it's Billy coaching baseball. That's the only space sure. I see Billy in it. Yeah. So the only place I see, the only place I ever hear comparison from you and Jenny is when you're pretty sure that you did it better than the person. You don't negatively compare yourself to people, Mm-mm. but when you kind of know, like when you hear a bad sermon,
4: Oh, what? Yeah. When I, when I am
1: Boy, that woke you up right up, didn't it? <laughs> well, now there's that.
4: Well, there is. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, if I am, uh, observing someone else do worship in a way that is less than I think it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That comparison comes in. There, but that I don't think, I don't know if that's so much a nine thing, as it is
2: insecurity. You, the one place
1: you're insecurity.
4: Yeah, the the Niga low three. side of three, maybe. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Is that I, well? I don't think I, you don't say it to anybody but me, right? I bet Billy doesn't say it to anybody Ooh. but you. Well, if he if at all, if, like, I, if he says it, right, or Jenny, like you, mm-hmm. you only. Kind of feel free enough to say that you would do that better
4: if be you're crit- with me. Yeah, or if I'm you, critical of it.
1: But how do you get,
2: gain that, that space of confidence mm-hmm. with that you don't occupy naturally without some comparison? Yeah. Like, how, how else would you get that? Like, I'm I'm good at my craft. Mm-hmm. How would you know you're good at your craft if you don't? Compare to someone else doing it, right?
1: Here is what you always say: you start a comparison where you think you are better than somebody else in worship settings by saying, "Oscar Miller would never tolerate that."
4: Yeah, I, part of that was education and teaching. And so, training. tell everybody
1: who Oscar is.
4: Oscar Miller was uh, my homiletics professor for four years in in seminary in theology school. And Oscar's way of teaching over knowing he was going to have you every single semester for four years was to take you down the first semester and, and take away all of the bravado or all of the skill you thought you had as a lector or preacher. And then piece by piece by piece over the next four years, all those semesters just put you back together, you know, piece by piece.
1: I'm so thankful for this question. I'm so thankful because we need to start talking when we talk about nines, about a difference in image crafting and confidence Mm -hmm. and where they're confident. Self-assured is my language.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Self-assured confidence, whatever. I have a lot of confidence in that space. Mm -hmm. And, and not just in that space, but take me out of that space in the, my role as a minister yeah, in um,
2: reference to that space,
4: like B- Billy it, yeah. knows
2: that he knows that he knows yeah.
4: and my, there's
2: no
1: questioning
4: my competence in, in hospital visitation yeah. or those kinds yeah, of things. That's yeah. Billy
1: coaching baseball. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And that, if that's what this person is talking about, that's not image crafting. Mm-mm. That's confidence that you've earned and that you need to own.
0: Well done, y'all. Have you seen higher levels of chronic illnesses or illnesses such as IBS associated with the body or gut triad?
1: Yes. Yep. Only from listening to hundreds of people come say, I'm an eight, nine, or a one, and I have gut problems. Do you think that's associated with my triad? That's where I got it. And I have them. Yep. You do, and you always have. I hope. Daddy has
0: them. Have I heard too that? Have you said something about like the other triads? Is it like five, six, sevens where glasses wear or something? If I, uh.
1: Lots of fives. Fives look look through things. Glasses, microphone, micro. What are those called? Film. Micro, microscopes, microscopes, microfilm. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> they like to separate themselves.
0: I've also used the term microfilm four times today. <laughs> not an old term.
1: Have you really? So, no. That's, yeah. No.
0: pass me my readers
1: uh, i do think there are physical expressions of anxiety bodily expressions of anxiety in twos threes and fours yes
0: okay as a six married to a nine i posted my three six nine triangle that we've talked about
1: oh i love it uh
0: but i'm finding that i can often observe characteristics of two or all three numbers happening in me at once is this typical are the stress and security moves less well-defined for three sixes and nines?
2: And they're a what, married do a what?
0: Six and nine. So it's a practice. Mom, you describe it. It's your thing.
1: Well, I, I just came up with it off the top of my head during one of these. But Because can you imagine what it's like to be quarantined and to be two of the three numbers on the central triangle? Right. It's like all the moves represent a move you could make but didn't make, but you might make, right? Yeah. And so I suggested that <clears throat> this couple put up a big triangle uh, and somehow be able to mark it. Yeah. When they're to let the other person know where they are yeah. on the triangle to kind of stop some of that confusion that's so crazy when you have two people who are on the triangle. The element that must be present for the moves
2: to be less um Noticeable, or that you that you are both on the triangle. Right. Like yeah. I think it's more much more noticeable. I notice it much more with Billy because I'm not on the triangle.
1: Well, and it's very fluid if both of you are on the triangle during a quarantine. That's the whole point of the that's right activity because it's just moving all the time. Well, and Jenny and Corey, Jenny would say the th- same thing. Yes,
2: like it was. I was a little annoyed's not the right word. Jealous might be the word. Like she when we were all kind of like she like she and Corey are just. Going through quarantine, it kind of felt like, you know, and I was like, well, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but maybe some the, of it is they're all
1: on the triangle. On the, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Cassidy says, I'm a three married to a nine and quarantine is definitely challenged. When I'm in stress, it seems like he is relieved.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost yeah, because I'll I chill out or stop <laughs> doing it. <laughs>
2: Yes, that's so good. Yeah. I, that's well. Come said. join
4: me on the couch.
2: <laughs> yep, that's so great.
0: So and then she says, and I'm like, I'm over here saying, no, I am not good.
2: <laughs> this is not a good space. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. From you and I are going to walk away from this at some point with Billy and Daddy and say, I am not on the triangle, and I need to be heard.
2: <laughs> well, I think, like I do think Billy, we're not on the triangle, but I think he almost breathes a little sigh of relief when I hit stress enough to just shut up and go to bed. (laughs) Like, I think he does appreciate my five
1: moves. (laughs) You think he just goes, Uh. ah.
0: And Billy has smartly left the building. (laughs) I am on a journey of determining whether I'm a type seven or type eight. I touched on this earlier when you were talking about, in Mm. the beginning, I was like, excellent, we've got a question. One thing I've recently observed is a pattern in how I make decisions. Whether I'm planning a vacation, deciding on a job, or planning out my weekend, I always look at all of my options and go through the mental gymnastics of walking through and weighing out the best possible scenario, sometimes searching for the perfect scenario. This can get me stuck sometimes because I can't overthink and take too much time before I pull the trigger on deciding which one to choose. My question is, that was the type seven process of making decisions different than type eight's approach, specifically solving problems in the future.
2: Well, I'll I'll just be completely honest and say that you just the description was so, not eight.
0: Yeah, it was very seven, the it, intro stuff.
2: Si- Sixth. Like eight is like the and so that answers it in and of itself. Like eight decision making is there is no thinking and weighing every option. And I think it's because as a seven, the, you get energy from anticipation and that's not energy providing for me. So I think sevens weigh a ton more options than eights do because of the energy it provides them.
1: Well, if we went back to the menu, you know, and sevens anticipating the food and then being disappointed when it gets there. I think you two ordering from a menu, Joel anticipates how good it's going to be, and you uh, just have already tasted it, and you're thinking about something else, and then the food arrives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you don't have expectations for that because you're out there.
0: I feel like the overlap for us is that you and I don't, if I'm getting jacked up about a vacation idea, then I'm in that headspace. You're in doing space of something else.
2: Completely. Like
0: if we're two weeks out, you don't want to talk to me about the vacation in two weeks. Correct. You have a lot that you're doing right now. Correct. And then like the day of is when we are
1: jacked jacked together
0: together at the same time of now we're doing and planning and anticipating.
1: But Uh, by day three, it isn't what you wanted it to be. And she's still making it what she
0: wants it to be. By day three, she's doing and living up day three. And I'm thinking about day five. Yep. And then by day five, I'm bummed that we leave on day six Yep. and she's still living day five.
2: And I will say where I meet you there is at the end. And I experienced it the most in my whole life when I was a year out of college. And it was Billy's senior year in college. And I would fly. I would work on the weekends, fly. And when he was in baseball season, I would fly in. On Friday, fly out, Monday morning, red-eyed, and go straight to work. And I lost, being future-oriented, I lost so many being able to enjoy so many Sunday evenings with Billy because I was bummed. I was already too. It was over. Mm -hmm. So I do share that with you. And I think for you, let's talk about head versus gut because I think that's where options are a big deal for you and not me as well. I know what I want, so I took – Our niece who just turned 10 for her birthday to get some makeup and her mother is a nine and shopping with her mother for a lifetime is, is not a space I like to occupy (laughs) because she is, you know, she just, she's not sure what she wants because she's not sure what she wants. Oh my goodness. That aggressive, but not headspace aggressive Knew what she wanted. And I found myself saying, Are you sure? Like, have we looked at everything? Because I was like, This is amazing. We did this in 10 minutes. Surely this can't be the case. Should I be more? And she was done. And that, and I said to her, I was like, You and I can go shopping whenever you want because it's not about options for me. I know exactly what I want. And then I book it. I don't ever research.
4: I don't know if. Maybe I'd stay out of this. No, go. About not sure what you want as a nine. Because I go shopping, I know exactly what I want. And if they have it or don't have it, I'm going to get it. There's a difference in shopping by yourself as a nine
0: and shopping with someone else as a nine, I think.
1: Or there's so, a difference in you and I going shopping and me pulling things off the rack and telling you to go try them on. Let Thank me say
0: you. that as a child, <laughs> going to shop with dad by ourselves, enjoyable experience. <laughs> Going to shop with dad and mom less enjoyable,
1: and I'm and not saying, the same. And uh,
0: the dad is different at both of those events.
1: Okay, well, here's what I'd like to say to the two of you. Yes, and vacations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're still on vacation. I know. I'm going back to vacations because I think this is real important. I think we need to talk about your passion or your sin. I think we need to talk about your sin because lust means that you. Go all in for where you find yourself. Every time. Every single time. Right. Gluttony means that you have tasted a little of this, and now you want to taste this, and then you want to taste this, and then you want to taste something else. And and that is a – we don't talk about passions or sins very much, and that's a significant difference mm-hmm. in seven and eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Or, or let's do all of this. Yes. So, man, I could knock out 36 holes of golf instead of 18. Like yep. that, yep.
2: And that's not a thing.
0: Uh, and then another part that I thought of when you were talking about like visiting Billy, the avoidance of pain. I would have not been focused on, been sad about. I I would have said to you, if I were Billy, we're having a good time right now. That's not till tomorrow morning that you have to take the red eye. Like, why are you like you're mm-hmm. bumming out that fun that we're having now? Yeah. And you wouldn't do that.
2: And I, just so you know, I didn't express it <laughs> to Bill. Like I held I, like not for me, it ruined it for me. Like I missed out. Right. Because I was is that about leaving yeah. Because I was already in the field. I was like, well, this is done. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh.
1: and it wasn't even done yet. So here's what I wanna say right now, and I get to. I I think one of the That most- will
0: be the name of the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> This is my life. This is my life. Welcome
0: to Here's What I Want to (laughs) Say Right Now and I Get To with your host, Suzanne Stabile.
1: I think uh, kudos to us because we figured out, because we've known the Enneagram for a time, how to talk about hard things and how to laugh about them and how to let things play out and not... Take them so personally. I can remember. I can remember a time when, if Joel had said, "I just whatever the way you said it," that going with Dad was enjoyable. It would hurt your feelings. And if Mom was along, not so enjoyable. And there's a time when that would have hurt my feelings because I didn't know the enneagram, and because I didn't value. This is the big. This is the big finish. The big finish. Because I didn't value the difference in relationships, and how they are enjoyed. It's like when you think everybody's the same, then comparison is the name of the game no matter what. And when you realize how different everybody is, then you realize that there are times when both of you want me, and there are times when you want Dad, and there are times when you want both of us, and we have different gifts to offer. And when parents try to parent the same way from the same place, it's a terrible mistake. Yeah. And it's also
0: not just about y'all in that scenario, for example. I think that BJ was the other way. I think BJ would much rather go shopping Absolutely with fine. the two of y'all yeah. than yeah than have the quickness in getting this done that I was looking for. Yeah.
2: can so. Can I... Go off your script to ask a, a real, a very real and honest questions I've had for a while of the two of you. Excellent. That,
0: are you ready for this? People? Are you all
2: ready for this business? So we had just an incredible time in Italy. Incredible. At one point in our lives. And you two both to me essentially said, because Billy couldn't stay the whole time. And so we had several days together and you both expressed some surprise and that of how caring I was for you and that it it made you very confident for the future in <laughs> aging and me being the oldest child. Like, do you remember like,
1: but you know, you want the backstory,
2: but I, that's what I, my question is, did you think I, that's, like you were,
1: no, we didn't realize we needed so much care. Okay. That's the next. So what would happen in our room was, did, did you notice that when the, the sidewalk got really uneven, Joey just waited for us? Or Joey found a smoother path? Or I said to dad, have you, did you notice today I was trying to keep up? And when I needed to sit down, Joey said, we should sit down. It was a the backstory was we had no idea going how hard that trip was going to be on us, and we didn't know we weren't up for it and ready and i i don't I don't think I would have expected you to be that perceptive of the subtlety of our need. We talked about it every night, that's that absurd. didn't have anything to do with eightness or okay because I
2: really thought I, that's how I <clears throat> took it it was like a wow, oh, no. like you. Like you were okay with some vulnerability. You know what I mean? I don't know where.
4: Well, I think that was true because. We didn't know how vulnerable we were. Mom and I were. had been to Italy two other times. And both times when we went, we were in much better physical shape. Okay. And, and
1: we were, anticipated that and we were And we again. anticipated
4: the Got same it. kind of ability to to move around and travel around and, and keep up and do all those kinds of things. And we were surprised at at the difference. In in our ability to do all of that, we loved the trip. to right? Every single minute of it was just glorious. But
1: it felt it, really great for you to perceive our need without us having to ask.
2: Yeah, I and that's and we don't need to talk about greatness of me anymore. I really thought this, <laughs> I inter I interpret it as this your surprise to be in in my perceptive. <laughs> and i thought we could talk about AIDS and how like a misunderstanding parts yeah. uh, misunderstanding perspective so part done. of it
4: too is 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 that we really have raised you all in the hopes that you would be very successful and go on with your lives and go forward and 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 i and and sort of set you free to run and blow and go and do life and i think in we haven't looked at ourselves as as getting older And being needy uh, as older persons and um, a neediness, whether it was emotional or physical or psychological neediness that, that we might've had. And I think the the trip to Italy sort of brought that out uh, to us that there is in the aging process, a dependency that begins to take place in, in an older couple and, and, the hope and the wonder will our children notice that and and uh, see that i think we noticed it somewhat in our parents but then you always wonder if your children will notice it in you
1: well and you know our we we didn't we sort of lived where your parents lived but we were not no, really close to we them we were not that close to and them and i never lived where my parents were yeah. so when i noticed changes in them they were dramatic dramatic right? and Got big it. changes okay Okay, so what we were telling you was, "Oh, and we feel safe."
2: <laughs> which is good. And I do think I will say to speak for eights, we can honor for, for not having a lot of space for weakness. We can honor vulnerability without feeling sorry
1: for it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Like so- there's not, a, it wasn't an ounce of mm-hmm. pity. No, no, pity. you're not going to get the, but you are going to get mm. <coughs> real yeah. care. And yeah, in terms of the ways that I can give it, yep. but I, but sitting down and let's be sad together about getting
1: old. You're yeah. not going to get that.
0: <laughs> That's not on your, uh, emotional Pocket knife?
1: No. Well, you know, when I'm trying to do stuff I shouldn't do, when Joel and I are on the road, he'll say, why are you doing that? Yeah. I'm right here. Why are you doing that? It's not logical. Yeah. It's illogical for you to put your bag in the overhead bin when I'm standing right here and I'm six, four, or three, (laughs) or nine, or whatever.
0: Either way, I'm not a 70-year-old woman. So okay, you know,
1: well, I'm glad I asked that because that's
0: what I thought
2: up. all this time that it was your surprise in me no. and not, mm. it was it's your surprise in ourselves. Got no. it. Okay, good.
0: And let's talk to something that maybe led up to that. And that is the relationship of a two and an eight. So the fun thing that we had today was someone asked, can you give pointers for a mom who's a two and a daughter who's an eight in relationship building? And so before you got here, I asked Joey and she gave her answers. And now same question to you. And you can't look at Joey and Joey's going to be quiet while you answer.
1: Uh, adult relationship.
0: Let's discuss both of them because they didn't give, Brandy didn't provide ages. And so Joey talked about as adult, and she talked to as a child.
2: I feel like
1: this is a little bit like the marriage game. What was the marriage game? Uh-huh. Like? Oh is yeah, we was going to say you the same the, thing. Should write it down, yeah, down and lift it up. One of the most important moments in our relationship as adults is one day you said to me, "I I thought I hadn't heard from you in a few days, or we hadn't talked, and I thought you were mad at me. So I made up a whole bunch of stuff." And I called you finally and I said, are you mad at me? And you said, I am now. (laughs) But you said, I tell you what, let's make a deal. When I'm mad at you, I'll let you know. And until then, I'm not. That was a game changer.
2: Check that box. So we want, we got that one correct. We got got a thousand dollars for the the first. I I said, this is, I mom will tell this story too. So that
1: one's, yes. There you go. Game changer. That was adult. Yeah, and that was a long time ago. It that was a long changed time ago. a lot for mm-hmm. us. Uh, another adult thing is uh, when you are unhappy with me, uh, and my answer to your hurt or your concern doesn't work for you, you get in the car and come to me. Yes, and that's a game changer, too. Those, those things are big, which, to the two mother, doesn't mean that I don't ever think, I wonder if she's mad at me. That that happens with all of you. All of you. All, all of the world. <laughs> the woman, Brandy, are you mad at mom yeah. right now? <laughs> um, as a child, you know, uh, people sometimes ask me what, regret I, what regrets I have as a parent. And generally, my answer is that I, I don't have a lot of them. I think we did pretty good. But one thing I regret as a parent, which is very early on, is that I needed uh help from you before you were an age where you should have had to give it. So I regret that. Uh I needed it, and I'm grateful for it. And I don't know how I could have done without it. And I, I... You know, and there is no bad choice that doesn't affect more than just one person.
2: And I had it to give, so
1: yes, you did. But it it truncated an already truncated childhood because you're Nate, right? Right. So like, it's just a double truncation of being a child for somebody who's Nate.
0: Can I? Well, while you're getting that together, for the people who heard both or hearing both, what I heard was from the child, Joey said. Two mothers realize that the eight child doesn't need you as much as you think. And eight children hear that your two mother does need you in ways that you're capable to get, to give that other kids are not going to.
1: We we should go on a game show. We I know. We really would. All
0: right. Keep going. Sorry. I'll we'll make sure that was connected.
1: Well, that was my next thing. My next thing was that I... Trusted her a lot as a child. And I trusted her to do the right thing in the context of her age. So I didn't trust you to be perfect. I trusted you to have boundaries at whatever age you were. And you did. And I think that was good for our relationship. I don't think I hovered much. I hope I didn't. I can't imagine that I did. Mm-mm.
0: I don't see
4: eight children doing well with helicopter parents.
0: Well,
1: you didn't.
2: You didn't.
4: No. Well, part of the key to that, though, is you did all those things before you knew the enneagram.
1: Yeah, we figured out a lot, lot of before we knew of the that. Enneagram. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think, and this is not to negate my relationship with any of your siblings. I'm just so emotional today. It's ridiculous. Um, I waited for you all my life because as an adopted child, I I wanted to belong to somebody, and somebody belonged to me. I wanted somebody to look like me and act like me, and love what I loved, and. My mom knew that. And so when you arrived, she kept saying to me, Now don't put too much on her. And Which was you, a five. When you were a newborn, speaking of fives, when you were a newborn and she came down because you were a newborn and she was taking care of everything, and she would, she kept saying to me, You need to put her down. She's going to get sore if you don't put her down. So, um, I think you and I uh, somehow worked it out as we went along. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Uh, when we got crosswise from whatever eight, we figured it out and worked it out as we went along. So that's my.
2: The only other thing I said that you didn't uh-huh. was to the two mom as the eight yeah. saying she doesn't have your... Emotional needs. Yep. And that doesn't mean she doesn't. Right. And what she does have for you is she trusts you. So I actually said I trust. Like that's the one. That's like the biggest thing I think an eight can give.
1: Yep. Well, the biggest. Yeah. The very biggest. Like that's gold.
2: And so for the two, it's not going to be a lot of
1: mush. No mushy. No mushy mushy.
0: Yep. Well, we we brought it all today. Boy. Uh, I mean, I'm misty-eyed over here myself. <laughs> we all got emotional. Hey, and mom, lows.
2: what they didn't see is when mom walked up, like, in the transition because they were watching the video was, what would you say the minute you saw me?
1: Why have you been crying?
2: Why have you been crying? Like, been crying? she was like, you've been crying today. Like, mm-hmm. not just you just
1: cried. Like, you've been crying today. today. Yep. 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 Yep.
0: That's right. Because we're bringing it. Uh, so, and go ahead.
1: Is it? Are we doing more questions or are we... No, we're done? All right, well, let me say one more thing. I just want to say that it's pretty damn great to be in our family. That's what it's like. And it's this way sometimes. And it's hard. And we worked out a lot of stuff. And uh, it's uh we have a lot of tools to work with. And I think any family who commits to we're going to figure it out and then has some tools to do that with can be whatever they perceive our family to be. Yeah. The only thing that separates from us, from other families is by damn, we're going to work it out. All of us. And
0: looking at you, Jenny,
2: (laughs) (laughs) you know, this is ultimately going to come back on me. If you keep doing that,
0: well, then y'all can work it
1: out then. (laughs) Um, we work it out, and uh, we are blessed in that we have some tools to work with, and I think that's why we do this, because yeah. we want to share the tools we have, and share what we learned. That that's it. So that's what I that's what I got. The Reverend Spiel and I are in a big fight right now. Oh, right at this given so time. So glad Billy so, and I aired our. All right.
0: Well, here. we're gonna ask yeah. Suzanne to leave the room, and then Joe, yeah. we're gonna give you the mic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm just saying, we're just like every other family. That's all. That's yeah, all I'm saying. That's how Billy and I started with ours from the last week. Yeah. We're and just like every other family.
4: Thank you guys so much.